Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Osiris. And just as they announced in early October 2008, we're back. We, HF Pod. 40 for 40 are back. So is Jonathan Hart, just popping up in our conversation Uh like that. (laughs) We are here. This is the Helping Friendly Podcast. uh, T-minus, I don't know, two and a half, three hours from live fish shows. But we are here to turn the clock back as we do pretty much every Friday in 2023. Looking at Fish's career one year at a time. We have arrived to 2008. The last year where there were no fish shows to the present day. This is pretty exciting, guys. Um, there's a lot that we're going to get into here, but I just want to say, like, you know, we, we've been through this six-year hurdle where, like, the band went through their midlife crisis. They broke apart. Things got dark there for some time. There are a lot of questions. But the light, we knew the light was coming back. Meg and I talked and about this last right week. Here. And it's on and you hear it and you feel it. And there's like such a vibe shift in this uh, show in this year. We're going to be talking about 1019, 2008, Trey's show from Burlington, Vermont. But before we do that, Megan, Jonathan, it is Friday. We have fish tonight. How are you guys doing? I'm doing okay. I went back to work this week. I had a four-hour boundaries training this morning. Followed by a two-hour computer programming, like new interface for families training. So I am glad it's Friday and very ready for my glass of rosé that's awaiting me after this episode. And um, yeah, it's just, it's hot, muggy day in New York. I feel like, you know, it just feels kind of like my summer is officially over. 
I'm probably not going to be waiting until the episode's over, but I <laughs> hydrate and wait until, you know, the sun has passed the yard arm, as my grandfather would say. Um, <laughs> oh, I like that, enough. the yard arm. I like that. that. He's, he's a Navy guy. Um, I love that. You can say things but, like that. Uh, but I'm doing good. You know, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited about this show to talk about this like moment in time. It's Me weird. Too. This is, I think you cited this a couple episodes ago, maybe last week, Brian, but you know, 2008, there is nothing in live fish. Like, yeah, nothing, nothing, which raises an important question that we must ask. We must pose when will Trey release some of these shows, in particular, the Richmond show? Probably because I was there, but also because we don't even have a full audience recording. Please, please, please. They're so fun. So good. The energy. We're going to talk more about it. I know uh, is so hot through all this whole little run here um, that we need some proper tapes, proper tapes, please. Yeah, we could improve the sound quality. We're going to talk about it, but um, we will. We're, I mean, we're going to get into this. There is. I'm not knocking the audience tapes. I'm just saying, like, there's this weird void that there's something to fill it. There's something. It is interesting that like they would start releasing everything once again, starting with um, the Hampton shows, and that would include all Trey shows, and that these shows, as we're going to talk about, I don't want to show my hand too early, but these shows are really good. They're tight. They're energetic. It's it's happy. It's very positive. It sounds very much like a preview of 2009 Fish. It's not the type of stuff that I'm, I would expect to be kind of hidden in the storage space until, all right, fine, we'll just release this show because people keep yelling about it. Like These just feel like Trey shows that should have been released. But we're going to get into that. Um, I want to ask you guys just to kind of open the conversation here. Where were you all 15 years ago, 2008? Megan, in the last episode, we talked about the different places that we were at in life in 2008. I was very much of a big kid at that point in time. You were about to become a parent. You have, I presume, become a parent by the time of this show. What was 2008 like for you? It was really different. It was the first time in my life that I stopped working because I had a baby. And as a teacher, I didn't make enough money to pay for my childcare in New York. So I stayed home with her and it was weird. You know, it was just weird becoming just a mom and kind of not being anything else and trying to figure out what that meant. But then also it was pretty amazing being a mom. And I'd always wanted to be a mom since I was a little girl. And it was just it was a it was a strange time. I was living in Brooklyn and I didn't know anybody in Brooklyn when I moved there. And so I got to make all new friends, like pushing my stroller around, like desperately looking for someone to talk to. And uh, yeah, it was a really different time, but it was a time that I look back on and it's interesting because it seems like it was 30 years ago to me now. Mm. Like it just I feel like I'm such a different person than I was 15 years ago. You were not just a mom, though. Just remember that. Never just a mom. That's but that's important. how you feel when yeah, you stop working. Like it's it's yeah. um it's weird, you know. And I don't like I don't agree with that. Being a mom is one of the hardest jobs in the world. But that's how you feel. And so you're especially somewhere like New York, where everybody is so accomplished. Go, go, go. Yeah. Happening. yeah, yeah, right. And everybody who moves to this place comes because they have some giant ambition, you know, that they're chasing. And so 
to give that up and to be a mom, you have to really kind of steel yourself against that constant like feeling of what you're what you didn't do or what you're not doing. I hear that. I hear that. Yeah. Jonathan, how was your 2008? In 2008, I was kind of, I was like right here, not this room, but this house. This was my daughter's room at the time. She still lived with us. She was in high school. I don't, math is funny. My son was one year old, having been born in 2007 downstairs in the dining room. Wow. Um, And uh, that's a whole, that's a different podcast. Um, Yeah, I bet. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, so I was, I was working, I was commuting, I was, you know, following other bands, uh, listening to all kinds of stuff, but, but I was also listening to fish and it's something we haven't really touched on during this time when fish was broke up. One of the things that I was doing in addition to pursuing all of these other bands and all of this other music, because there's which is something I've always done, or at least I have since somewhere in the mid mid late nineties when I realized I had been living a little too close in to Grateful Dead and Fish, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I was uh, also listening to a shit ton of Fish. I was um, taking that opportunity, the time when there were no new Fish shows, to listen to nearly every fish show so wow, i was diving into awesome. those kinds of projects of like well we're gonna listen to this tour and we'll listen to all of these we'll listen to all of these and, um yeah so i did a lot of that and so when the announcement came which i assume we're going to touch on here today so i might as well just you know jump on into it go there um <laughs> I was ecstatic and ready. And oh, also it's Hampton, which is that's home field. <laughs> like what? anywhere else, it might've been like, well, will I go? But it was Hampton. So it wasn't a, will I go? It was like, okay, we're there. Mm-hmm. It's, happening. it's interesting that you did such a deep dive during the intervening years. I like that. And I, I, it's, it's going to be interesting to me to hear kind of your thoughts on like the first couple of years when fish got back. Cause I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, you kind of stepped aside. Uh, not at first I was all in, I was, I saw okay. a lot of shows, so we'll get to that next, next time. But, um, but yeah, I, I was filling in gaps, you know, yeah. if somebody mm-hmm. would be like, Oh, everybody, you know, yeah. All you people talk about 97 and I missed, I didn't see 97 sure, shows sure, other sure. than like the great one. So, you know, I wouldn't listen to the whole tour so that I could be informed enough to criticize it properly. Um, <laughs> I knew that was I, coming. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> you always have to inform yourself to be critical. I appreciate right. that. Yeah, I do too. Um, but you know, I was, I was part of a good and close knit online fish head community and we weren't just talking about fish we were talking about all kinds of mm-hmm. other music but we were definitely talking about fish too and uh and that was great and and then when fish came back in fact even this tray tour you know some of us got together started mm, to cool. get Love together that. in in real life we were seeing community. shows together like you know are some of the people who we used to see shows with with you know grown up dropped out left the scene fine but some of us our core was there and we had built this other these online communities that 
moved into meet space together again because now we had shows to go to and uh, and I still I still see shows with those people it's kind of amazing yeah this was um I mean just in terms of my 2008 I was I graduated college in May of this year and I had that like great existential crisis that comes to that point where you're like I have a bachelor's <laughs> degree apparently know a few things I don't know what the hell I'm about to do in my life um, I went up to Alaska for the summer, um, spent three or four months cooking in a small town, hiking, playing a lot of guitar, listening to a lot of the Silver Jews. That was like my favorite band in 2008. Um, came back to the lower 48 in late September, spent about a month in my college town thinking about moving back there. And then I was like, no, I just need to go on to whatever's next. And I got on the road in late October and drove back to Chicago where I spent about six months living with my parents, waiting tables and getting ready to go overseas uh, to teach English. And so this was like a very big transitional period in my life. And it was like a period of a lot of, I, I still had a lot of fun, but I was making a lot of like difficult decisions to leave people behind, to leave places behind, to go out towards something that I didn't totally know if it was ever going to work out. And I kind of look at this point as like a transition to wherever I'm at right now, as we're having this conversation, like a lot of this started in 2008 for me. Um, it was also an exciting year. This was a uh, presidential election year. I was incredibly engaged in politics throughout 2008. I was very excited throughout the entire year for um, reasons that you can probably assume, but I uh, had an excellent November in Grant Park celebrating. Um, and I didn't listen to a ton of fish. This is the last year that I just did not listen to a ton of fish. Um, similar to you, Jonathan, I was exploring a lot of other bands the announcement came. I wasn't even anticipating it. I don't think I'd been online on a fish community site in maybe 18 months at this point in time. And I remember getting a text from my brother that was like, fish is coming back. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, what? What, are you, what, yeah. what the hell are you talking about? And he just like sent me, I mean, I don't even think you could send links and stuff on cell phones. We didn't even have iPhones at this point in time. So I must have like pulled up a laptop, like found an internet source. Uh, Go to fish.com. Go to fish.com. Went there yeah. <laughs> and saw the video, heard the jam, the uh, the jam from, uh, what is it? Uh, 12, 1799, I believe is what they're playing after MoMA dance maybe. But immediately was just like, oh my God, I cannot believe that this band is coming back together. That night we watched the Walnut Creek DVD that I believe had just come out. And that second set, the disease, the mics, the, the encore with Harry hood. Like it was this moment of, I don't know if I'm going to care about this as much as I did, but Holy shit, I have feelings right now. And I think, and we'll, we'll dive (laughs) into that and I'll have more to say in 2009. But um, Meg, do you want to give us just a quick breakdown here of where fish the larger universe of fish was out in 2008? Yeah, let's go to Meg's Corner. You know, there's actually some stuff happening this year too. You know, in May of 2008, all four members are going to reunite on stage at the Jammies to accept a Lifetime Achievement Award. And Trey's going to mention his mentor, Ernie Styles, who just had unfortunately died a few days earlier. And in June, Paige is going to post a letter, which is a response to reunion rumors. So he's going to post a letter saying that he was healthy and closer to his bandmates than ever before, which was going to really stoke (laughs) the flames of these rumors. Um, Original Boardwalk Style 
Trey's album is going to be released on June 10th, and that is selections from the tab gigs at the House of Blues in Atlantic City at the end of 2006. And portions of this proceeds from this album are going to be dedicated to the Seven Below Arts Initiative, which we'll be talking about more because this show was a benefit for that that we're going to talk about today. And in June 2008, Trey is going to open up for Eric Clapton as a guest in the Robert Randolph Band, which I didn't know that I knew that happened, which is interesting. (laughs) And on July 6th, we are going to have the biggest reunion of the band so far playing together. Um, We are going to have at the Rothbury Festival in Michigan, where Trey is going to be doing an acoustic show and Gordon is going to be playing as well. And they're going to guest in each other's sets. We're going to have the acoustic debuts of Backwards Down the Number Line and Alaska. And then Fishin is going to join them for their encore. So this is going to be the first time the three band members have shared the stage since the breakup. And Mm -hmm. Fishman was also there playing with the Yonder Mountain String Band at the festival as well. Yeah. And then on August 7th. The only bluegrass drummer, let's be honest. He's the only (laughs) bluegrass drummer in the world. I know. I was surprised. I didn't remember that. Did you remember that he did that? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that. Um, On August 7th. It's a weird thing, right? Trey is going to play his first post-rehab electric show at the Music Hall of Williamsburg in Brooklyn. I really wish I had seen that. Um, And going to debut a ton of songs, like electric versions of Backwards on the Number Line, Peggy, Gone, Valentine, Greyhound, Greyhound, Rising, and Light. And Gordon is going to release an album that August called The Green Sparrow. And this is his second solo album. And this is why he didn't really tour in 2007 at all, because he was writing this album. And then he recorded it at the end of that year and the beginning of this year. And then he's going to go on tour to support that album throughout the rest of the fall. And then we have the full band performing for the first time at Brad Sands' wedding in September, which is exciting. And then on September 27th, Trey is going to debut Time Turns Elastic, which is We know the orchestral epic, which was created with Don Hart, and he's going to play that at the Ryman Auditorium in Nashville. And then the Chab Trio is going to get back together in late 2008, and they're going to be joined by Ray Pachkowski for this tour that we're going to be talking about today. And then, of course, the big news. On October 1st, posted on fish.com, the Hampton announcement and the ticket info and demands for tickets would shut down Ticketmaster and Live Nation's websites. And I have to say, when I read that, I teared up. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like we've been on this journey with them, and I was not engaged in this when it was happening. And so to kind of see this, looking back on it in this way, has been really, really emotional for me. And it was, I just felt like it was happening for the first time. It was great. I have a thought about that exact sentiment and that exact feeling uh that we're going to talk about here as we get into the show but yeah it definitely felt like a lot of that sentiment of of um what had come before was being reborn and could be could happen again but in some cases as we look back 15 years ago it in some ways feels like it happened for the first time because they figured a lot out and that that moment october 1st that felt maybe like this is a epilogue to the story maybe this is just a tag on has like continued the story in such a fascinating way that we're going to continue to discover so yeah it's amazing and then here we are now we're at the show here we are oh but first (laughs) brian what else is going going on on? 
we need to set the context of yeah. what is happening in the world outside of fish. So remember, Meg, how I said last episode that like 2007 might be one of the greatest years of my life? Yeah, I do remember that. <laughs> I hope your children don't ever hear that, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, they'll, they'll appreciate the album. Free children. They will. They will. They'll children. get it. They'll um, get it. Yeah. 2008, from a cultural content standpoint, is not, but it does still have some charms that I'm going to share here. Mm -hmm. um, television is really in this like marked shift where The Sopranos has gone away, The Wire uh, is about to end, Breaking Bad and Mad Men are just starting, which are showing that prestige television can happen outside of HBO. Um, you got this amazing, just shout out to me being a history nerd, uh, John Adams miniseries starting, starring Paul Giamatti. I feel like I'm I one totally of the people who loves that. this. Really, I saw really that. Good. It's really, really good. I yeah, forgot Giamatti's about that. Amazing, it? Yeah. I'm pretty, uh, pretty into like the history of America between the revolution and around the time that George Washington stepped down as president. Um, it's just wild how much was changing in, in short period of time. You get that a lot in there. Um, movies. Really great underrated movie in Bruges. Uh, if you saw the Banshees of Inisherin last year, this was from the same director. Um, just hilarious, dark, wild movie about um, based in a gorgeous little Belgium town. Wait, isn't uh, that the same Wally. actors too? Same yeah, actors, yeah, yeah, too, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The exact same actors. Yeah. Um, Wally, the fascinating Pixar film. Dark Knight, probably the best Batman movie ever made. Step Brothers. Tropic Thunder, Burn After Reading, Synecdoche, New York. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Wow, that's quite a run right there. Quite quite a run of there's there's some really good stuff in here. Slumdog Millionaire, which won Best Picture, mm. Quantum of Solace, the uh, Bond yeah, movie for that year, uh, Milk, a really good Sean Penn film, uh, Frost Nixon, Gran Torino, The Wrestler, Curious Case of Benjamin Button, and Revolutionary Road, where. Um, Kate Winslet and Leo would reunite. It is notable. This is the last Oscar year that would have had just five films in the best picture category because the dark Knight was not nominated and it was such a good movie and it was so successful that there were, you know, petitions sent into the Academy to expand the best picture list to include blockbusters. Batman movie. I mean, what are you going to do? Are you going to include a James Bond movie in best, best picture? They There's should. a couple you could. Yeah. They should. Right, yeah. Amazing, amazing. Um, music. So number one song in America at this point in time, week of October 19th, 2008, is Britney Spears' Womanizer, which I was unaware that she had a hit past 2002. I'm pretty blown away by this. Uh, number two, it should be noted, is T.I.'s You Can Have Whatever You Like, which is a song that uh, I absolutely <laughs> loved in the fall of 2008. I love the sentiment. Um, albums released this year. Some good stuff I, I, if you're going to move Go on ahead. to albums, I'd just like to point out, I don't know either of those songs. So Yeah. I feel like without, you have to Very mention young. Beyonce of this for this year when you talk about hit singles from this year. I mean, this is like single ladies, Halo, like mm. this is I Am Sasha Fierce. Like this is a big year. Yeah. I've big heard of that single ladies song. Yeah. it's a It was a little popular. Heard of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some good if albums. You didn't hear it. Year. Sorry, right? If you didn't hear it, Jonathan, that's actually a fucking accomplishment. Like it is because you could have right? definitely heard that one. Yeah. Uh, 
Fleet Foxes debut album, their self-titled debut came out. Beautiful, beautiful record. Uh, TV on the radio's Dear Science, which included the song Golden Age, which will become very important to Fish fans just about a year later. Uh, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds released Dig Lazarus Dig, Deer Hunters Microcastle, the debut self-titled album from Vampire Weekend came out. Uh, Spiritualized Songs in A&E, amazing record. Uh, I mentioned this before, the Silver Jews, Lookout Mountain, Lookout Sea. There is a song on there called Suffering Jukebox, which if you know me, you know that that means a lot to me. Uh, one of my favorite songs of all time. Uh, the Walkman's You and Me, Warren Drugs debut album, Wagon Wheel Blues, uh, Christian Fennes' Black Sea, The Magnetic Fields, Distortion, Kanye West, 808s and Heartbreak, David Byrne and Brian Eno's Everything That Happens Will Happen Today. Big, big record for me that year. Uh, the Black Keys released Attack and Release. Cosmo Combs put out Dropping the Rit, my introduction to him. Amazing stuff. Uh, Steve Malcolmus and the Jicks, Real Emotional Trash. Beck's Modern Guilt, Beach House's Devotion, Portish Hedge Third, and Cut Copies in Ghost Colors. What what have I left off here? Uh, probably something. Um, something. Uh, what is it? Dr. Dog's Fate? Isn't that this year? Oh, you're right. That came out that year. Probably yeah, yeah, yeah. one of the my favorite albums from the decade. So they, yeah. man, we were we were texting just a little bit about this, but I want to give you the 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 moment to share your thoughts on that record because I know you said that's one of your favorite all of all time. I mean, I, I I'm not sure I have uh, comprehensive word thoughts on it. To me, it that record is is it's kind of like if the Beatles got back together, but we're still young men 20 years later. Mm. Um, it's just, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't, <laughs> for a guy who spends an awful lot of time talking about music, this is one that I just not sure I can verbalize. I adore this. Some album. Of those like that. I mm-hmm. honestly, I, I've had it on my iPods and my phones <laughs> for ever, ever since I first discovered it that year. I'm never without that album. So that yeah. should tell you something. I mean, there's show. only a few like that. One being, say, Blood on the Tracks. So, <sighs> Yeah, definitely one of mine. That's one of mine. I'm going to spin this. I'm excited because I've never heard it. It's incredible stuff. Uh, oh, yeah, these so good. Later are Beatles comp 20 years later, but still young men. That's that's a good, good descriptor for it. Um, McGraw in the chat here is letting me know, and I was going to avoid this, but hey, I, I have the data. I've got the information. The Phillies won a World <laughs> Series. Uh, really, not a very good World Series. They beat up a really exciting young Rays team, but um, also this was the year the Giants beat the Patriots to uh, ruin their perfect season. The Celtics beat the Lakers in a rematch of the 1987, 85, 84, so on and so forth NBA Finals. Red Wings beat the Penguins, and uh, like I said, the Phillies beat the uh, beat the Rays. It was a good World Series, um, decent World Series. The Cubs had a horrible, horrible exit that year. We had an amazing 2008 season. Everyone was celebrating. It's the hundredth year since the last World Series. We're going to do it again. Amazing, amazing season. And then we lost three straight games to the Los Angeles Dodgers and Manny Ramirez. And there's this image that they showed 
three innings into game one when we were down like 6-0 of this old lady who just sat there like in the front row at Wrigley Field with this just like look of desolation on her face. And I was sitting in a bar in Montana watching this and some guy next to me was like, ah, the Dodgers are just better. They're just better. And I just wanted to punch him in the face. I was so sad and so angry all at once. And and then he got his three trombonist friends to come in and go, (laughs) I refused to watch the last two games with anybody. It was terrible. Um, But... But we've gone far astray here. Why don't we turn to the show, if that is uh, okay with you all? We're talking about this this concert? You, McGrupp. Is it okay with you if we turn to the show? Um, <laughs> we are talking about Sunday, October 19th, 2008. The Trey Anastasio Band from Higher Ground in South Burlington, Vermont. The lineup, as Meg mentioned earlier, Trey Anastasio, Russ Lawton, Tony Markellis, and Ray Patchkowski. We are a hornsless tab tour here, which I did not know going in, and it adds a very oh, wow. different, adds a very different vibe to to listening to this, and and gave me a lot of thoughts I was not expecting, which we'll get into here. But set one, got a jaboo, Peggy, darkened down, push on till the day, sweet dreams, Melinda, and sand. Jonathan, you were at a show on this tour. I believe you're the only one of us who is at one. Why don't you dive in and just give us a sense of what this first set is like and kind of give us the context of this iteration of Trey Anastasio Band. So nowadays, I, they do they is this what they call classic tab? It's so confusing. Um, it's so confusing. Various names. I think because so. it's not classic. Because classic tab Tony. is, well, it's Russ and Tony and yeah. Trey. But that was right, it's a tab, just a trio. actually. That's a trio, the trio right. was not Tab. Yeah, right. They didn't come up with that name till later. And so I don't know. But you bring Ray in. And honestly, I think it's great. Like, I definitely, I've said this a couple uh, episodes ago when we did a Trey show. I missed the horns on a couple songs. Um, yeah. But I think that it's pretty strong. Uh, without them, Ray holds. Uh, he t- he does more than hold his own. I was about to say Ray holds his own. Well, hell yeah, he holds his own. Ray's killer. Um, and really like shines quite a bit through this show. Um, I think that if anything, um, I maybe miss the backing vocals more than anything. Uh, That's what I miss. Yeah. Players. But um, yeah, so we, we come right out and we get a Jaboo, which is, kind of it sets a nice tone it's jammy it's not super short it's not over long um it grooves like crazy and you can tell that trey is there to play it's not the first show of tour or anything so he's warmed up and they're all kind of uh they're into it. it's what the third fourth show um i believe it's the fourth show of the tour mm-hmm. and uh yeah I, I i don't have a lot of i didn't take notes because i don't um but I really enjoyed this entire set. Uh, Peggy is interesting and it's kind of like an interesting outlier as being kind of a short little song uh, as opposed to everything else, which clocks in towards 10 minutes, 10 minutes, some over, some under. So on average around there, um, the sand that really sand really hits hard um, uh, to close the set. And it's uh, it really gives you a glimpse that's when you're you're you start thinking about ooh, fish is coming because you know 
yeah, I don't know. You could tell he's he's excited. He's really excited. Um, what did you guys think? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey listeners, I want to tell you about one of our great partners, DistroKid. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keeping 100% of their royalties and earnings. If you're a musician and looking to get your music out there, DistroKid is the way to go. DistroKid is available for iOS and Android and is now available in Apple's App Store and the Google Play Store. More than a million artists rely on DistroKid to get their music onto Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all other major streaming services. And with DistroKid, you can upload new releases, see your financial progress, get notified when you've earned royalties, withdraw money from the app, view and share links, check your streaming stats, and a whole lot more. DistroKid has more features than any other music distributor. Check them out today. Go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash helping friendly. That's distrokid with a capital K dot com slash VIP slash helping friendly for a special offer. Thanks, DistroKid. Well, I think it was cool just thinking about kind of where they are. You know, they're at higher ground and, you know, outside of Burlington and they are doing a benefit for this Seven Below Arts Initiative, which Trey's sister, Christy Manning, at the time was running. And it's a pretty cool initiative. They set up artists in the barn to different like um, mediums. So they'd have like a sculptor and a painter and a musician, and they'd be there working and living together. And it's a place for them to have like an artist in residency program. And this is something that Trey started, you know, when he got sober. And I just think it's cool that he's already kind of heading down this path of generosity. And um, it's exciting to hear that and kind of that energy is behind this. And it just, to me, really, this is the beginning of the tray that we know so well now. And I kept mm-hmm. thinking about that, like this tray of this kind of elder statesman, this person who's been through a lot and is on the other side of that. And I think that optimism and that energy really comes through. I think the beginning of the show is really nice. You've got like, you know, high energy, Jabu, really fun, sweet Peggy. And then you go right into that dark and down, which is you hear someone yelling for number line before it, which is, I love to see it, you know, right away. Everybody's like, yes, give us that song, um, which is so funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just feel like, I don't know. I think people have forgotten where this song comes from. And I'm so excited that we get to talk about that today. But um, yeah, this song is such a perfect mood shift after those kind of like up-tempo beginnings. And the song is super deep. Like when you look back at the lyrics of the song, it's an intense song. And I kept thinking that too throughout this show. You have a song like Push On Till The Day, which is about being up all night partying and not stopping and how different it must be for Trey to play songs like this when he's in this spot. And then you have him playing really, really contemplative and thoughtful songs um, that, that speak to where he is now. And we'll talk about that when we get to Ruby waves. But I thought that was really interesting in this show as we see kind of like what 3.0 is going to be like. You can also hear sand changing it's meaning here, you know. It's yeah, not, yeah. So many songs are like that, right? Like it's not the same. 
Yeah, exactly. Like where they used to be. Yeah. Like let me lie. We can talk about that too. But yeah, there's so many songs that have now have like a different kind of the way that he's singing them is from a different perspective, which is great. But I love the end of the set, the push on till the day, like super high energy. I just saw Russ and Ray play a lamp show after one of the fish shows. And those two musicians, I love any chance I get to see them. They are incredible and bring so much energy and are so communicative on stage. It was so awesome. And I love listening back and thinking about them. And even without the horns and without Ciro, you still get that like big energy, wild peak that Tab can bring you to, even just with the four of them, which I thought was pretty spectacular. And then after the song, that's when Trey kind of goes into, you know, introducing that he's, they're at higher ground and what they're doing to raise money. And that a lot of these songs were debuted there and are kind of as old as the venue, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I share a lot of you guys' thoughts. And I think the thing that I just kept coming back to listening to this is, and for me going back and listening to these shows for really the first time, um, you can hear the foundation of 3.0 being set and that there is there is this balance between there's definitely some jamming and exploration throughout this show but he doesn't ever really go too far off the deep end and it kind of sets the foundation of what their the approach is going to be with fish which is let's just relish in the fact that we're back we're healthy we're in a really good place and let's let this song speak for us at this point in time. And there will be some exploration. And obviously, like, and we'll get into it next week. Like, there's some really, really good jamming throughout the year. But it just feels, for the first time, it feels like we're in some cases back in the early 90s with this approach. Where the the, the show and the songs are what you should be coming for. And just the the vibe that this band creates. And it reminds me a lot of going back to that period and hearing fish as they were trying to almost rediscover what it meant to be fish. And mm-hmm. you really get this clarity on the other side. It's wild to think that two episodes ago, we were in that um, grab tour and so much of what was interesting about that tour was in the jamming and was in the improvisation. As we talked about Jonathan, like there were a lot of songs that kind of just felt like a stand in to be a launch pad into a jam and Trey here sounds as though he's rediscovering his songs as like what is possible out of these and if I give more meaning here and if I give more um if I play a little bit more aggressively within this segment of the song like what does that say about it outside of changing keys and moving into a jamming space so I really liked that about this first set I um, think those those grab yeah. shows connect to the past Yes, this, as you mm. say, connects to the future. 100%. That makes sense, yeah. But this feels like something that's like like there's there's a pureness to this out of yeah. a, a lot of what we were talking about in the early 90s as well where it's it look at this song that we wrote, not look at what we can do to change and distort this song. And that's something mm. that's really fascinating because right. that will be the story of the next couple of years in a lot of ways. What's well, a rebirth? This- but this is also a, you know, knocking the dust off sort of situation. Totally. Know, Trey's like, we're going to, we're going to be doing fish. I'm going to be rehearsing with those guys. That's one thing, but I need to, I got to play. I got to get out yeah. there. I got to yeah. get into it with the band. And with these guys, I think it's, you know, Trey's in the lead, uh, but they're all, and so they build a comfortable pocket around Trey. And and they can jam, but they don't go deep because I mean, 
Tab definitely has had its days and sure. had its jams, but like they don't, it, they're not known for exploring kind of the deep territories that fish right. and its highest heights can get to. Um, there's less risk is, is kind of my mm -hmm. point. So he can go out with these guys and just get a groove, take some solos, you know, trade some licks with Ray and, uh, and just, again, knock the dust off and come home, feel good, feel energized, feel practiced and warm, and then go into some of those fish rehearsals and the recording sessions and things that they were going to be doing uh, between this point and Hampton. I think also, and Meg, you and I talked about this last week, learning about who those guys were that Paige was playing with, there was a real sense of like, these are Paige's guys. And like these mm -hmm. guys, like Paige feels comfortable with. Um, and it's just like, it had a very, um, you know, 70s studio record type of feel to it, where it just, it feels like just like a bunch of dudes in a studio who all really like each other. They really like the songs that they're playing together. And like that simple fact, like really reflects throughout that show. I kind of get this with this where like, there's not as much pressure on Trey as there's going to be in six months. And I think to your point, Jonathan, like just that sensation of getting out and playing again, but also playing with three other guys who he's really comfortable with. And he's kind mm -hmm. of been through, through war with in some cases, but he's also like, these are his buddies and these are his buddies that he can just play music with. And there may not be as much on the line as there will be with fish again. There doesn't really need to be here. This is just, I'm buying a ticket to go see Trey Anastasio and see that he is in a good place again um, and, and revel in that. And that you get that throughout. And that to and, me like is, sorry, Jonathan is definitely yeah. kind of, to me really speaks to who these guys are that, you know, like we talked about this last week that, that Paige makes these relationships with engineers and people that he works with in Burlington and takes them on tour. You know, you think about the history between like Tony and Trey, right? Where Trey saw Tony playing in Burlington. It's the reason why he decided to go there. You know, that there's this deep connection and these old relationships that are comforting places for them and that they can use that as a place to kind of like, yeah, get themselves reinvented before going out with fish. And I think that it just speaks to the kind of people these guys are. And I think their longevity in the business. And I'd well, like to take it, I'd like to take it back to the fan experience too. So um, we have these trade shows, which I believe, you know, were announced before the fish thing, but they happen after the fish announcement and we're all going and we're excited. A trace touring again, fish is going to be coming back next year. And, and he's playing clubs, which you know, was not unusual for Trey, but we hadn't seen him just about anywhere for a while. So, like, I saw him, you know, this is the 19th that we're we're talking about. I saw him six days later in Richmond. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was awesome. I had a bunch of friends, and it was a great, great time. Unfortunately, we only have a first set tape of that from that uh, show. Um, but like he plays Ooh Child, he plays um, a big money, money, love and change. But he also he plays Number Line, and mm. now I want to talk about that now. I'm just like I'm ready Let's to do it. it. Yeah, because yeah. I sent this to both of you today. I was like, Stupid. you guys got to listen to this before we talk because. Uh, first of all, I listened to it today. The first time I listened to it today, I cried 
Happy Tears. <laughs> yes. It was so amazing because, first of all, the arrangement is a little different, and I really like it. Um, secondly, get that little bridge right back, Yeah, put me right back in the room, and just feeling the utter joy in that moment and you can hear it in the tape the energy is super high it's an audience tape so you can hear the and it's it's from a theater so it's not like you know it's there's no isolation you're hearing the crowd and you're really getting the energy and the vibe on the room and the band is just lit up and on it and it's it's an absolute a plus moment uh just like Pretty much every time I see that song now, um, yes. it's just, it's it's a big deal. Um, in the second set, Trey did a little like acoustic solo bit of, you know, three or four songs. And after Water in the Sky, he, he talked about how Hampton's just down the road from here <laughs> and everybody goes nuts. And he says, you know, I'd like to, you know, maybe just I kind of would just like take a tent and go camp in the parking lot until March. And, you know, we were all <laughs> ready to follow him down I-64 and just like go and be there and hang out and wait. Um, because, yeah, we were we were in it. And it. We were fish wasn't back yet. And it was already like it felt it was so real at that point. Yeah. So it's like those cool. last couple of nights before like summer break where you're like, I know yes. it's there. Like I can feel all the things that are coming. Touch it. You can taste yeah. it. Yeah. Meg, what's your relationship like with this song? Cause you, you weren't, you weren't really following along at this point in time. So you came back later. Like, like what, what does the song mean to you? How does it evolve for you as well? I feel like the first time I heard about this song was like when people were talking about, they hated it. And I'm like, and, and I, I've never understood any of that kind of stuff because I like happy fish. And so to me, like if you started seeing fish in the mid nineties, you like happy fish. Like fish was happy a lot back then. <laughs> like it's, you know, like it, I don't know. It just is funny that, that people don't like that now, but um, it's happy in a different way now. But this song, it's just, it's one of those songs that when you appreciate like the history of where it came from if you don't get it and if you don't understand, like, then you probably don't appreciate fish now, or you, you, you shouldn't be able to, because it's like why we are here now. And in that version, Jonathan, I'd never heard that before. And I'm so glad you sent it because the energy, like you were saying, it's so infectious. And even today when Trey sings that song, you can hear him smiling. And it's that moment my friend took a video of us at Philly this summer singing that song and just like hugging each other. And then she turns the camera on the crowd and there's like people that we just met during, you know, that song dancing like crazy. And it's just this feeling of connectedness and joy that you can only get at a fish show. And that's what the song delivers every time. And this version of it is so killer. It's like his solo is beautiful. He sounds totally inspired and it's just yeah, it's it's a moment, and I'm so glad I got to hear that. And I love that this is the year when this song was born. It just it makes so much sense. It's like you couldn't have written it better yourself. You know, it's like a movie. <laughs> it's just so good. Yeah, I, I want to say, and this is not to challenge or uh, uh, counter your comment about if you know the background, you, you you 
there's no reasonable way to not like the song. You're totally right with that. But I, I have to say that even not knowing that, if you don't like this song, <laughs> you're, you're just like an enemy of empathy. Like you don't, you do not know how to like feel and share a, a collective energy. Like, yeah, you don't like joy. Okay. Okay. That's fine. I just didn't know there were fish fans. Joy is an like okay joy. record. No, that's next year's conversation. <laughs> exactly. In general, the concept. I mean, I don't think this will be surprising. Like, I, I'm I'm on the same page with you guys. I think that one of the things that makes this podcast work is that we all have very different views about certain aspects of the band, but there are these kind of like core tenets that I think we all agree on. And like the joy Must aspect, love the, number line. That's yeah, true. exactly. I think it's a rule because, like, to me, if 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 you don't, I think to your point, Megan, like. Um, and I don't want to ascribe what I'm about to say to you, so I'm not putting words in your mouth. But like, if you don't like Numberland, I kind of think that there's something wrong with you. Like, mm-hmm. uh, ultimately, at the end of the day, that is what you're saying. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, so I didn't hear the song in the fall of '08. The first time I heard this was on the Hampton uh, recording that came out. Uh, God, they were so slow back in 2009. It was the morning after that it finally <sighs> appeared. On Unbelievable. <laughs> and I remember, I remember downloading it, and I still had to like track it into my iTunes. Like this was, these were really the dark ages. Um, but you know, one thing for me during this, around this period in time, was I reengaged with a certain um, uh, fish community website um, that rhymes with Schmanishy Schmoor, and I. I will give this website a lot of praise in the fact that as I was getting back into fish and suddenly had access to high speed internet downloading that I didn't really have in 2003 and 2004, I had the ability to catch up like what you did, Jonathan, in 06, 07, that range. I spent a lot of late 08, early 09 into 2010 being like, I haven't heard most of summer 95. I still haven't heard most of fall 97. I've never really heard summer 99. Like there were all these pockets of fish history that I just was totally unfamiliar with, had heard about, had read about, just didn't get the tapes. And there wasn't a place to stream all this sort of stuff. And so fantasy tour was really great for me during that period in time in terms of being like, what shows should I check out from this tour? Uh, It was also really good at introducing me to other music. That's a different topic. My reason for bringing it up is it was the place where I first encountered, even though everyone is supposedly happy that fish is back, they're playing this horrible, cheesy, overly happy anthem every other show. Why are they doing this to us? And every time I heard it, I had the same <laughs> sentiment you guys did, which was like, without this song, this doesn't, this isn't happening. Like, what do we, what do we even like? regardless the feelings on the song, like even if it is actually the worst song ever, but it is the song that inspired Trey to that's a different start one. to get the band together. Like we should at least be hearing it, but to add to it, it is one of the most joyous communal songs that makes me think about being at a fish show with my best friends and everyone's smiling and people are giving each other hugs and you're three weeks later, texting each other about ridiculous memories from the time you hung out. And it's the little things that kind of like are the building block to all of this. And we all have that. And to me, this song represents that. And it represents like, even outside of the fish experience, your friendships, like what they mean to you, how 
kind of stupid, joyful they are at times and how that is like a necessary sentiment and a necessary feeling and how like smiling in the manner that that song makes you smile is something that you kind of just need to live. And so there's the fish history aspect of it, which like you can't really like, you can't acknowledge and be happy about the band coming back without being like this song helped inspired it. But then there's also the song aspect that the time, the moment it starts, you just get this sentiment, sentiment of joy. Um, and, and it's both, you know, something we all share, but it's also something completely unique to each individual person. And that's something that I absolutely love about it. So I think we're all on the same page. I'm very thankful that this song was written. And every time it's played, there's a moment where I'm like, my like looking around just my god we still get the chance to do this and all the things that are about to happen like where we're at here talking about 10 19 2008 we don't have festival eight we have no idea don't even yeah. don't have it we have the no MSG idea return like none of this we don't have this the festivals coming back we don't have the dicks uh uh um tradition that's going to start we don't have the baker's dozen none of this stuff has <sighs> happened yet and i can't wait for all of it to happen i'm so excited <laughs> <laughs> it's like um, it's it happen all over again like we it didn't is. know if it was going to be like little chunks of shows yeah. and like nostalgia runs or yeah, any of right. that. We didn't know until well, we didn't know for a while, really. But like it, it started to get an idea in at Hampton. But again, that's next week's or next step, 40 yeah. by 40 episode. Uh, should we talk about the second set before we forget to do so all together? Two really quick things before we jump yeah. into the second set. Yes. I, just have, I just want to acknowledge um, you guys talked about the uh, banter after sand, but um, after dark and down, Trey talks about that, that feeling of driving from New York State into Vermont and that he cannot explain yeah. it when you enter the state mm. of Vermont, the air changes and suddenly like you, it just smells nice outside and you get that vibe that you're back in this magic place. It's really cool to get that and to hear that knowing that we're literally just over been 25 years and it's still since he moved there it still hits him um but you know we're we're just over four years since coventry you know and and we're 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 back in vermont and he's getting those sensations it's amazing um and then after push on till the day he talks about how the first higher ground show opened up the first higher ground tray show opened with push on to the day Sweet Dream Melinda and Sand and how cool it is that he's going to end the first set with those three songs. Um, and then the crowd kind of cheers and he says he wants to see if these songs have ripened with age. The crowd cheers again and he goes, I know I've done a bit of ripening myself. And it's like <laughs> the first of these jokes we're going to get over the last, over yeah. the next like year or so of Trey being like, I went through some shit and like yeah. I'm on the other side of it now. And we can all laugh about this at this point. Um, so I just wanted to share that um, set two Big one here. We got Burlap, Sack and Pumps, Money, Love and Change, Last Tube, Let Me Lie, Drifting, Alive Again, Tube, Top, Flop, Windora Bug into the debut of Ruby Waves, Moesha, Dragonfly, It's Back, Baby, and an encore of A Case of Ice and Snow and First Tube. Meg, what did you think about this overall set? What were some of your big moments? Oh, this is a monster set. Like the first set's kind of short. And then this one is just like, it's like, he's never going to stop playing. Like, yeah, yeah. Like they get a three hour show, but the first set you're like, God, what, it, what, what, how is this? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> so like, much. It was so much. When I was listening, I was like, the set just does not stop. But Burlak, Zach and Pumps, 
I love this song so much. I love how it like plays on the riff and just pulls it apart. And then that like sick breakdown right before the lyrics. And this one opens up into like a really nice jam. Trey's using an effect, really distorted sound is playing. Ray is on the piano, which is like such a clean contrast to the distortion. And then I love how it like lands back in the song for the lyrics. And then it has that like hard stop ending. This song just always delivers for me. Always, always, always. I love it. And yeah, I love, I mean, money, love, and change, same. But like you were saying earlier, Jonathan, like anytime I hear this song, I just, I hear the ladies singing. I'm like, where are they? You know, like you can just hear them. I can hear Jen and Natalie just like singing there. They just elevate the song so much. It's so great. And yeah, then again, like moving into this kind of dark, ominous moment with Last Tube. I love Ray here, just like always just accenting so well. And then like a really nice slow down ending. And this is the Let Me Lies, super interesting from Bar 17. And this is like so dark and haunting. And I think it was played with Fish like 10 times, but not since 2016. And this is like one of those songs that takes like a really, it's a dark turn and really emotional, especially knowing what he just went through. What did you like out of the first part of the set? Um, well, I mean, I think I would be happy letting you speak for me on this because I'm kind of right with you. Um, I thought it was, it, it, it's, there's so much uh, like action in the first couple tunes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he brings it way down with uh, let me die. Let me lie. Um, and, uh, and then, <laughs> sorry, I clicked on the wrong set list right now just to keep my, keep track. And then we get drifting, which is, it's funny because he brings it down and then drifting only kind of brings it up. Drifting is that up yeah. kind of song, but it's such a mid tempo kind of like, Ah, again, missed the backing vocals there a little bit, totally, but, uh, totally. but it's still really nice. Um, I really like Trey's tone through that. And then um, I'm going to carry us into the rest of the set. Do it. We can circle back on it. Um, tube top flop is funny and rare and weird, but oh, I skipped Alive Again, which oh. I think is one of the big energy moments for the set. This is one where everybody is reading a lot into the song and yeah. good for him and let him let do it because it just Trey is bringing major energy. He's so excited. Um, I mean, he's so excited through this whole thing. I don't it, it's hard to say like, oh, now he's so excited because it's um, it's kind of <laughs> inaccurate. It's just. This is one of those points where he just kind of bubbles over and uh, it's it's just dynamic and awesome this Uh, song the first time i ever heard this song was the first time i ever saw tab and it was like it's like love and light but in like a really exciting way like i almost died the first time i heard this song like like it just like yeah like it just like you know like i didn't see tab till much later so it was with Ciro, and he was like blowing the whistle and my heart was like pounding i felt like it like woke my soul up like and i just yeah. it's so playful it's this jam gets into like a super conversational part it's so playful i just thought this was like one of the peaks of the show like really really great i think this is a song that like only tab could play this way you know it just is like so tab this is what they do well this is like their energy and and i loved hearing this version too even though, of course, I want to hear like the crazy Ciro like clanging on all the pots and pans and all the weird shit. But yeah, and then 
the Tube Top Flop is one of the final tracks on that Horseshoe Curve album we talked about um, last week. And it's nice after a live again because it's so like delicate and effortless. And yep. Trey's playing like really sweetly and softly. And then it's fun how he does Windora Bug because this is like, you know, such a rare, a rare song. And so it's cool that he's really busting stuff out here, which is super fun. And then the debut of Ruby Waves. I never knew it was played this long ago because it was shelved yeah. forever until 2019, forever. until Ghost of the Forest. Like, this is crazy. I cannot believe this song that has become so kind of important to the end of 3.0 and the beginning and 4.0. This song that's just like this monster now. And can you even imagine Fish without Ruby Waves right now? You know, it's like, it's impossible right. to imagine. It's like, you, it just, you wouldn't you this is played like every like five shows now and it's like always a monster and like i love this version i had never heard it before it creeps out it has like a slower tempo the lyrics i almost like i want to ask trey about this we need to add this to rj's list because <laughs> i feel like maybe it was too personal for him to sing right after this because the maybe. lyrics are so intense you know i was talking about like escaping from a prison of lies and like i just wonder if that's why it kind of got shelved until goes to the forest when he was ready to like dig into like that really intense intimate emotion but i had no idea it was played this long ago i hadn't really listened to this song from this era um like i knew that it debuted at this point in time but i'd never gone back it's amazing how slow it is and it kind of yeah. like those lyrics come off that much more intensely than um i mean i think that they're, they're some of my favorite lyrics now when they're played because of what you're talking about like he's tapping into that sentiment of what he must have been feeling in early 2007 um but now they're played to these like very upbeat uh kind of soaring chorus and then it you know just leaps off into a jamming space that uh, is really really fascinating and we get uh, i mean over the last four years we've gotten just amazing versions of this song that it's really fit itself into fish canon but i uh, i feel like you know with what you guys are saying like this set is it's wild because the first set just goes by in a blur and this set mm -hmm. feels like a lot of uh, fish 2009 second sets are going to where it's a lot of songs that four or five years ago would have been jammed out longer and instead like we stretch them out to kind of like the natural endpoint, and then we move on and it's a stylistic choice that they seem to be making um that i think a, i think certain fans certain aspects of the fan base are going to take issue with as like the 3.0 era gets underway but i think when you look back on it it's very very important that they did this and that they took this approach at this point in time um it's wild to me i don't think i'd ever heard Burlap, Sack and Pumps, Money, Love and Change, or Last Tube without horns. So to hear that, yeah. you really get the sense yep. of like, especially the first two, I'm kind of surprised that they never made the leap into the fish catalog because like, especially Burlap, Sack and Pumps has that like weird underlying 97, 98 groove to it that I think could have fit the, the band sound really wild, but he's always reserved those songs as kind of like, these are top tier tab songs. They don't go into fish. You know, you guys get first tube fish gets, uh, yeah. drifting here and there fish gets Ruby waves. Um, got a jaboo, but like there are certain songs that just are never going to be played by fish. It would seem at this yeah. point in time. Um, the well, end of the set now, oh, go ahead. especially now with the horns, I feel like those songs, like you said, they just, the horns. how do you do it? Those songs. Yeah. Like you can't, it's not going to play like, like 
money, love, and change without the the ladies and the horns. It's just not going to sound right. Yeah. yeah, and Alive Again is in that should be in that list. I mean, it's, totally it's a Tab song, and it's a great Tab song. And, yeah. uh, um, I, I'd like to chime in on Ruby Waves real quick and just yeah. mostly to second what you've already said, so I'll be very brief. But it's just, um, you know, it's it's weird to listen to this knowing where this song can go. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's also really... Kind of almost jarring how much slower it is than some of the versions that Fish is playing these days. Yeah. It's like really, well, it just feels slow. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. you know, songs take time to grow into their own shoes. So uh, <laughs> they, they it, it's it's really cool to hear what it was like. You know what what the first one was like, and uh, and now knowing where it would go. So it's kind of rad. Well, doesn't he talk about this at the end of the um, Between Me and My Mind where he's talking about this song and how, like, he didn't know if it had an ending? And then it sounds like this song didn't feel right to him at that point or, you know, he didn't know where it was going to go. Kind of like what you're saying, Jonathan. Like, it didn't – I think when you have – similar to what you were saying, Brian, like, a really intimate lyrics like this and you're singing it slow, it makes it more vulnerable. So maybe, like, when he figured out with Ghost that he could up the tempo – it makes it a little bit yeah. le- like more palatable or more like, yeah, it gives it a better vehicle. Well, and I mean, if you look at it, I mean, this song is played 10, 19, 2008 and not again until four, 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 2019. So this Crazy. is, this is 11 years that this song is basically going to go. And the next, uh, what six, seven performances are with ghost of the forest. And then it's obviously debuted by fish in Toronto of that year. And very quickly by the end of that summer tour, is like holy shit, Ruby Waves! Like <laughs> this is the song we're going to call on. Um, I mean, I it, the versions this year from Alpharetta and Mexico are two of my favorite jams of the year. Like this is one of those songs. They're, when it, they're like twice as fast as this one. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Totally, right. totally. Like, really, <laughs> it's but it's wild. I mean, I'm you know I I've, I've I when we got into this series at the start of this year, I was most fascinated to go through this period of fish and a lot of it is i'm just i'm really fascinated by the you know darkness this band waded into and what that did and and how they got themselves out of it and it's amazing to hear a song like this played so close to all of that and that after this show this song is gone and it's nearly gone from the entire fish catalog forever and they would have this one performance until like we're talking about it came back um Following this, we get two very interesting, fun songs to close out this set. And it feels a little loose at this point in time. Um, Trey hears a request after Ruby Waves for Moesha, uh, which opened the second set of my very first tab show, my first Trey-related show. Um, and someone turned to me and said, this is Tab's Susie Greenberg. Um, and it kind of <laughs> has that vibe, you know? Um but he says he's going to play this song by request for the first time in five years, even though he doesn't remember the lyrics. And he follows that up by saying, <laughs> if, I, if I forget the lyrics, you guys can help me and then make fun of me on the inter- internet. <laughs> to what we've been talking about throughout this episode, like the sentiment of kind of this newfound Trey who's very positive, who's very optimistic. Um, is willing to engage with the fan base and is willing to kind of like poke fun at himself in a way that I don't think we necessarily got over the last few years. Like that is that humor yeah. side of Trey. Yeah. And I remember him 
I think he talked about this. Someone talked about this around the time of the of the band getting back together. That one of the things that they noticed about how bad it had gotten in 05, 06, or 07 was that Trey had lost his sense of humor and that Trey was always yeah. one of the funniest guys in the room. And he was the guy always pulling practical jokes. And you got that on stage in the mid 90s when he just had this weird sense of humor. Like think about all those narrations in 1994 where it's like, how is this guy so good at his guitar, but also so good at storytelling and also just like weirdly funny in a way that is like a very specific sense of humor, but everyone seems to kind of get it. Um, you get that <laughs> here where he's like, I know whatever I do right or wrong is going to be talked about on the internet and dissected and you guys can have at it if I fuck up the lyrics here. Um, it's a fresh, fun version of Moesha that is yeah. the... Mm-hmm. Third to last version that it will ever be played. It was played a week later in Philadelphia on 1024. And then on February 28th, 2010, and has not been played since in any capacity, which is really wild. Um, what were your guys' thoughts on this and Dragonflies? We're coming to the conclusion of the set. I I don't have a lot of Moesha. It was fun. But Dragonfly, I just want to step at forward and say that I actually really like this version. Same. Which is, which is a lot for me. That's a big me deal. Too. <laughs> <laughs> me um, too. So you get the Ray intro. Yeah. It's like really great. Yeah. It's a it rock and roll up. set closer. It's good. And I didn't expect to like it. You know what? <laughs> yeah. It, it, I, I was like, I'm not I'm not excited about this at all coming at the end of this set. And then it started. You know what it does like structurally that I found really fascinating? It, it when it enters the jam, it kind of fades down and then it builds back up in a really like precise way. It reminds me a lot of where Kill Devil Falls is going to go in 2009. And that when you mm. get fish exploration in in 09, a lot of it is going to be inside the pocket and inside the box, but it's going to be, we're exploring all aspects of this song and we're going to build it up to a very earned peak. And you get that here. Yeah, it's cool. Strong, it's like, strong type one. Yeah, like rock and roll, set closer. You know, I love that it's like one of the songs written by Grab and it's just cool that they he plays this like right at the end and kind of like, I think it's a perfect way to like end this like, really big set they've taken risks they've had fun I feel like trey's clearly in like a really good place and i think the the encore is is super cool jonathan and i were talking about this before we went live jonathan why don't you start us off because you had some Please. thoughts case of ice and snow is really good you guys yes. like yeah what? i know right i don't remember this song like i know it's a song i could have named it if you asked me what for snow songs or something. I don't know. Uh, but uh, like, I don't know why I would have named it, but I know it knew it existed, but I couldn't tell you what it sounded like off the top of my head. So I'm listening to this. I was like, this, this is all right. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I feel bar 17, please. Yeah, yeah this is, yeah, here we go. This is Brian. Like, you know, this album's <laughs> good. But I, I think like I was reading about the song and Trey described the song as a letter to his fans. And mm. it's just like, you can see this song becoming like a big jam vehicle. It, I love the space that it gets into. It's really contemplative. It's funny because in my notes I wrote, I like this song. So I think I was surprised too. <laughs> yeah. Weird. Yeah, weird. And I didn't realize that Tab has played it as recently as 2020. Yeah. Interesting. And uh, was in mm-hmm. the Beacon Jams. Mm. What's yeah, it? I forgot that. Yeah. It's wow. another one of those that is um, – 
pretty amazing to hear uh, him sing about this era so mm-hmm. close to it because it, it gets it gets really raw um, and it, it gets really intense. But yeah, just looking at it, um, Beacon Jams, early 2020, what looks like maybe one of the acoustic shows, 426, 2018, which I believe those were trade the classic tab shows, but then it gets one 2017 performance, a couple 2015, a couple 2014. I mean, it's relatively rare to this point in time. And I kind of think that they should put an end to that practice and bring it back a little bit more often because it's very nice and very spacious. Bring it to fish. Yeah. I think this would be sick with fish. I totally agree. And it kind of has that like pacing of almost like a 20 years later in the sense that it's not Mm -hmm. a, ballad but it's not a rocker it just has like it's quiet it's contemplative but then it has like a very big chorus to it it's it's good stuff um it could it could really do stuff too it could yeah exactly it could go somewhere just the space there with like textural sounds and kind of soundscapes right now um we close with first tube which i almost overlooked because it's just a first tube encore but it's really cool it's bouncier more driven than a fish uh ray i feel like gets a little bit more focused like the fish versions are always so big and maximalist and it's just like tray guitar shredding this really gets like ray's keyboards playing a little bit um of texture and a few ideas it's it's cool stuff and so we close out a i think what we would all agree a celebratory very good vibe show that really points us in the direction of where we are like to your point jonathan we are no longer looking to the past in any sort of way here we are if fish is going to come back and if they are going to come back and be lasting it is because they're going to chart a new path and how do you chart a new path you set a new foundation and this sounds very much like that to me and and it makes me that much more excited as we turn the page into 3.0 so any final thoughts here about this or as we tra- as we move towards uh, the fish world once again? I just have to say that this whole breakup, the hiatus and the breakup years has totally surprised me. I know, Brian, you said that you were, this is what you were the most excited to dive into. And I didn't know how I would feel about this. And I've learned so much. And I feel like it's just been interesting to see this journey kind of step by step. And I'm so excited to like enter 3.0 because I feel like the beginning of 3.0, I was still super disengaged and I can't wait to kind of go on this journey through this series and and open those doors. But I will say like, it's, it feels very momentous to be like closing the chapter on like the end of the breakup. And it's amazing that it was 15 years ago. It seems like so much longer, but then also like just yesterday. Should 2005, fall 2004 through 2008 be 3.0 and maybe we're now we're in 5.0 nobody nobody take this seriously and write it down that hurts my head jonathan (laughs) this is a distinct phase of fish's history that we just went through um here on the show and i will say you know Mm -hmm. but it's a phase like if we're going to say that we're fish is celebrating 40 years now then these are years these years count that's why we're covering them on this series. Um, yeah, I, that's an and, argument. And, but I, I want to go on to say that yeah, you know, yeah, as excited as Brian was to cover this period, and and you were 
you know, unsure. I was not excited to cover this period. I was like, <laughs> let's just skip from spring 20, 2003 to March tw- uh, 2009. Let's just boop, go right over because some things, you know, it's fine. But I've had a pretty good time covering it. Not just because you guys are a good hang, but uh, there's been some there's been some good stuff. Look at that! <laughs> I think I think your point of this being an era of fish is something I did not really consider until it shouldn't doing this. really be numbered, but it is. No, no, but 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 thing. I, I, I you like said walking it already out. a few times. Yeah. You've talked yeah. about it. Like they had to go through this to get to what was what's yet to come. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing I've learned through this is like, you know, especially reengaging with the um, Grab Tour, uh, listening to that page show from last week, hearing this tour for the first time, y- you can hear the dots be connected between the end of Fish 2.0 and the start of Fish 3.0. And that is something I I kind of just looked at this period as this, I knew bits and pieces of it, but a lot of it I was unfamiliar with. And I kind of just thought of it as this big gray area in between. And then we got back together. But of course, like life doesn't work that way. These guys had some contact with each other. They were trying to do different things and then it all worked out. So um, we will be back to do this. I don't believe we're going to do this next week because I believe we'll be doing a quick hit covering um, night one of Dick's. Can't believe that that is around the corner here. Um, we will be back on maybe the Ooh, 8th, if not later. I know, Well, right? we're going to be back on Monday first, Brian. We're going to be back on Monday. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, yeah, quick hit Go for on uh, yeah. this weekend, right? Yeah, we're going to have a quick hit for SPAC on Monday. So Monday, probably I think at 4.30, we're going to have a quick hit for the two nights of SPAC. And then, Brian, you're going to see fish next week. What? I see fish for the first I'm time so in a year. Oh, um, my God, I'm so happy for you. I don't know exactly how to feel, um, but I'm I'm yeah. going to be uh, – it's going to happen. I'm going to see fish again, and um, we'll see. Uh, I've it's had a lot of fun webcasting this year. I think fish have been playing incredibly well, and I'm very curious to hear what that sounds like in person because it always sounds slightly different. Um, but, yeah, we will be picking up the 40 for 40 series again. I don't know the exact date, forgive me, at this moment, but uh, we'll be doing something from soon. 2009 very soon, diving through 3.0 fish, working our way up to the present, um, as well as fall tour coverage and a bunch of other stuff. It's, uh, it's 40 for 40 series is uh, is entering this new chapter. It's yeah. fun. We're gonna Thank do you guys all. We're going to do 2015, then we're going to do 2018, <laughs> and, there, and then we'll just like – then skate right on to the end. We've done it. Just skip a few years. Don't listen to him. Happens. Don't listen to the, him. The dirty <laughs> years are often the most fun to explore. I'm excited to. Yeah. Uh, My hiatus yeah. is coming up. <laughs> your hiatus is coming up and I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts as someone on the other side of that. Cause we just left my hiatus and I got to tell you 14 years ago, Brian got very, very obsessed with fish and was like, am I, fading back in time like am i falling back on something and I, I how little i knew that i had so much ahead of me and so much to learn and so much to experience through this crazy little band so we'll be back to pick up all that enjoy the spac shows tonight and tomorrow we'll be we'll see you all on monday 4 30 eastern for a quick hit quick in quotes uh, re- uh recap of the uh spac shows and then we will uh, continue this on have a great evening guys we'll see y'all soon Bye, everyone. See ya.
Osiris. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King, an off road minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media.